Hello and welcome to another episode of You Me and the Economy. The election results were just announced yesterday and we are hoping to see the economic reality strike soon with petrol and diesel prices rising and adding to overall inflation. How does this play out with the ongoing Russia-Ukraine conflict? Here is your weekly roundup of economy and finance. The conflict in Ukraine and the humanitarian crisis triggered by it are of grave concern worldwide. The belligerent Russian invasion has triggered wide-ranging economic sanctions from the West in its bid to weaken Russia. The US and Western Europe are relying on sanctions, which they call unprecedented, in order to prevent the conflict from escalating on a global scale. Ripples of the war and these subsequent developments in the form of the surge in oil prices have been felt across the world that has hardly recovered from the effects of the pandemic. With the war and the US ban on Russian oil, Russia being the second largest producer, crude oil prices that were less than $70 per barrel in December have more than doubled, crossing $140 per barrel now. With crude oil accounting for as much as 20% of our import bill, this forebodes high and lasting inflation. Since people in India are already struggling with rising inflation, this means further reductions in purchasing power. Even the economic survey cannot hide the fact that demand has dwindled to an abysmally low level. The war has also triggered panic sell-offs by foreign portfolio investors, devaluing the rupee. Despite many uncertainties, rumors of stagflation are gaining ground. This refers to an economy characterized by low demand and high prices. At the same time, the continued rise in global prices of fossil fuels has given a boost to faster transition from fossil fuels and a movement towards renewable sources of energy. The power from renewable sources was already more cost-effective than fossil-based power in many of the developing countries, including India, and it may now be true for the developed countries as well. This would contribute significantly in mitigating the climate crisis. Most scientists agree that the actions taken in the next 8 to 10 years will decide the trajectory that this crisis will take. This transition to RE would also ensure greater energy self-reliance among nations, reduce cross-border dependence, and thus better insulate the economy from such price shocks. Along with the US and the UK, the members of the EU have also imposed sanctions on Russia. These sanctions may or may not help end the war. But the consequent rise in price of food and other essentials will definitely cause hardships for the poor both in Russia and the rest of the world. At the same time, both the UK and EU continue to import gas from Russia. The question is, is their support for citizens of Ukraine only limited to their comfort zone? Or are they willing to suffer hardships by living without heating and stand in solidarity with the sufferings of the Ukrainians? Closer home, the government has been playing the recovery card to hide its deliberate inaction. But Prasanna Mohanty, an economic journalist and senior fellow at CFA, offers a unique perspective. He follows the recent trend of an uptick in gold loan auctions by companies like Muthut and tries to analyze why. According to him, a rise in auctions of such pledged gold indicates failure of these small borrowers to pay the loans in time due to worsening of their financial health. 
Since in India pledging the family's gold is always the last refuge, this only shows how shallow the claims of rapid recovery are. The report also shows that the government needs to invest more in social services. In addition, the dispersed lending amount is usually much smaller than the gold's market value, meaning people lose their life savings without getting an equivalent return. In the world of international finance, the historical leak of Swiss banking records show that the era of bank secrecy is far from over. As per reports from two weeks ago and ongoing investigations into the Credit Suisse leak, trusts can be used to circumvent transparency rules and hide money. A group of international journalists under the Organized Crime and Corruption Reporting Project, or OCCRP, have published a broad range of articles about the leak. At the core of the scandal is leaked data from the bank Credit Suisse, with information concerning more than 18,000 bank accounts. As reviewed by experts in these OCCRP articles, these accounts should not have been able to bank with Credit Suisse. Concerns have also been raised about Switzerland's banking secrecy laws that actually seek to silence critics, insiders and journalists who may want to expose wrongdoings within a Swiss bank. The UN Office of the High Commissioner has come out with a report titled Remedy in Development Finance. The report brings out an expansive and in-depth look at whether development finance institutions or DFIs actually remedy environmental and social harm caused by their projects. Released on February 23rd, this report is an important contribution to the discussion at a time when a lot of development finance institutions have been forced to relook at their remedy mechanisms and acts as a wake-up call to international financial institutions. The report delves into the concept of remedy in great depth, demystifying and normalizing the concept and generating a wider understanding of the importance of the right to an effective remedy and access to remedy informed by international human rights standards. The report brings to the stark attention what several CSOs have been demanding for quite a long time now. After years of financing projects which bore environmental and socio-economic harm, it is high time that DFIs should have strong contingency plans anchored towards justice through the instruments like remedy and reparations. They should understand moral hazards from a different perspective. Thank you for listening to this podcast. That was all this week. See you next week. Keep listening to Uni and the Economy.